819 on the crosstalk on WIZM. I tried to make this connection uh, on Monday or even on Tuesday as Wisconsin held its primary election because uh, our guest this morning is the executive director of Honest elections project and i don't know in milwaukee they are already firing up lawsuits looking for uh, missing ballots so at least in parts of the state well there are many people who don't believe we've had an honest election here in wisconsin jason sneed thanks very much for talking with us this morning what's your take on the primaries thank you for having me you're absolutely welcome so wisconsin tried uh, the word is still out, I guess, although in Milwaukee, lawsuits are, are being prepared for uh, to find missing ballots. I don't know about the rest of the state. We'll find out uh, the result of our election next Monday, sometime shortly after 4 o'clock. And then I'm guessing there will be more lawsuits filed because their guy didn't win. Is it possible to have an honest election anymore? Well, I certainly believe so, and that's why we've got this uh, organization which is founded uh, to to fight for honest elections, which is, of course, a a fundamental right that all American voters have. Uh, The Wisconsin election was a particularly challenging and difficult one. And I just want to say to all of the people who uh, who, who braved uh, coronavirus to go to the polls yesterday, um, you know, I commend you for your commitment to democracy. Um, but unfortunately, I think that uh, we all agree that it was less than ideal and that more could have been done in order to ensure a, a safe and smooth uh, election uh, in, in Wisconsin. But boy, oh boy, so many people, including... Uh, yours truly spent a ton of time talking about voting early, getting your absentee ballot, getting it uh, in the mail, getting it back to election officials. It's, it's not like everybody uh, woke up on Tuesday morning and thought, oh, crap, I forgot there's an election today. Everybody's well, known. That's absolutely right, and uh, there was there was ample opportunity ahead of time to request an absentee vote so that voters could vote in the safety of their own homes. And in fact, the early data suggests that more Wisconsin voters did that uh, than ever before. Uh, there were actually about five times more absentee ballots sent out in the mail than in the prior presidential primary. And there were already, as of yesterday, more than a million that had been counted in turn. And that's more than any in, uh, as far as I'm aware, the state's election history. So this was really an extraordinary event in terms of the usage of absentee ballots. But as you mentioned, there are already reports that because of the sheer volume of of mail-in ballots that were sent out, some ballots were apparently lost in transit or misdirected. And that, of course, is an incredible inconvenience for the voters because then they aren't sure whether to continue to wait for their ballots. Uh, or whether they have to go to the polls. And sort of overarching all of this is the general chaos from the lawsuits that uh, that preceded this, that fo- that were filed from the left and the governor's last-minute decision to try to cancel the election without legal authority. I think it's fair to say that it was all a mess. Right. There's no question that it's that it's a mess. Uh, and, and we hear about missing uh, uh, ballots. And I just wonder, how can anyone who voted absentee be sure that their ballot was legally counted and not accidentally left in someone's trunk? 
Well, that's always a risk when you're talking about using mail-in balloting, and it's one of the reasons why I've been so uh, cautious and uh, and been so vocal in my warnings about uh, calls to move the U.S. election in November to an all-mail system, because things like this, lost ballots, misplaced ballots, will happen, and they'll happen on a larger scale, a much larger scale, if you're talking about sending uh, ballots to every voter in the United States. You know, there are ways for voters to track their ballots, but what we see is that they often do not. So the second that that ballot leaves your hand, whether you're putting it in a mailbox for a mailman to pick up or or hopefully not, but sometimes giving it to a third-party uh, ballot harvester to collect and ostensibly yeah. take to uh, a polling place or a drop-off location, you really don't know what's going to happen to that, uh, to that ballot. And we've seen cases where uh, votes have been tampered with, ballots have uh, mysteriously disappeared or been deliberately deep-sixed. Um, it's, it's, it's really a, a difficult prospect. I think, for people to trust an all-male election because of these sorts of vulnerabilities. Is there an answer, Jason? Is there a way to have, to host an honest election where votes are counted, uh, the votes are cast, votes are counted, none of them are harvested or lost or miscounted? It's all done with... I don't know what, with a combination of paper and technology or all technology or what do you think? How do we go about hosting honest elections moving forward? Well, I think that we uh, we need to, first of all, consider what accommodations need to be made uh, to our elections in the remaining states that have primaries this year, uh, and then also in the uh, general election this fall, because we obviously have to be thinking about public health, and we have to be prepared for at least the prospect that the viral pandemic that we're dealing with today will still be an issue in November. So I think that that means that states need to be developing contingency plans that will, for instance, allow for greater use of absentee balloting, particularly for vulnerable populations, so that the elderly do not have to go to the polls to cast their ballot. We need to be prepared for that. But we also need to be ramping up election integrity protection. So we need to make sure that the value and integrity of those voters' uh, actual ballots are protected. Because after all, it's not enough just to cast a vote. If your voting rights are going to have meaning, then that vote also has to be counted properly and not be negated by fraud or uh, uh, erased because of uh, malfeasance. And so I think that that's how we, we need to be looking at this going forward. We need to be figuring out how to make sure that people can vote easily while also making it very difficult for people to cheat. Wow. Easy to say, Jason. Let's make it easy to vote, but make it difficult to cheat. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I don't know that there's a way to lock out scammers, to lock out those. You, and, if, of course, as soon as you go to court, uh, where I, I don't believe in my heart of hearts we have unbiased judges anymore, uh, they work very hard to try and be middle of the road, but there are conservative judges and liberal judges, and they are going to vote their conscience or rule uh, their conscience and uh, when the people arguing before them are of the opposite party, there's going to be more appeals and more appeals. I, I don't see how this is going to be uh, uh, fair and not in court. 
Well, it may well wind up in court. And in fact, as, as we saw in Wisconsin, there were a number of lawsuits that were filed. My group actually put an amicus brief in in uh, the federal case, arguing the courts should not be getting involved at the last minute to rewrite election rules, because all that does is invite for uh, chaos and voter confusion. And that can actually effectively disenfranchise voters by making it um, uh, difficult for them to participate or turning them off to the process entirely because of concerns that you just raised about the politicization of the judiciary or the politicization of the voting process itself. I think ultimately what we what we need to be doing as individual citizens and voters is saying that we're not going to tolerate political parties playing those sorts of games, running to courts trying to, you know, manipulate the election machinery and the laws that govern our uh, our ballot processes for their own gain, and we should not uh, reward that sort of conduct. You're right that protecting elections is always easier said than done, but there are concrete policy options available to us. Election integrity rules like voter identification requirement, absentee ballot protections, uh, 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 list maintenance activities to ensure that our voter registration records are accurate and well-maintained so that if we ever do need to get to a point where we're sending out large numbers of absentee ballots, we know for sure that the right voter is getting his or her ballot at the right address. These are basic common sense things that most voters across the political spectrum, you know, right, left, and center, will support. The problem is that they are controversial in the political landscape, and there are partisan figures that try to twist these to their own advantages. And so I think that oh, we sure. need to be you know, getting down to the brass tacks, passing and enacting some of these policies, and really thinking about how to protect our votes going forward. Well, we've got to find someone who will pass those, uh, those ideals along without making it uh, a biased decision, because some of the things you just pointed out are in court in Wisconsin right now. You can't require a voter ID at the polls because that holds my whole group of people down. You're not allowing them to vote. You can't, uh, you know, every time you turn around, there's some group complaining that the new rule keeps this group of voters from voting. 